Hey there, sweet seeker. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because we would not do you like that. Well, we wouldn't do you like anything. I mean... We're a monogamous married couple. <laughs> we are. So we only do each other. Okay, that's quite an opening. Oh, sorry. It's Scorpio season. <laughs> We're just trying to paint pictures for you here, people. Hey, join our OnlyFans. <laughs> that's a joke that will never exist. It will not. Unless time get real tough. I mean, um, never say never. Who are you? I'm Brandon. I am, believe it or not, a spiritual healer. <laughs> I'm also a tarot reader and an astrologer. I teach all of these things, and I'm a writer and a performer. And I'm your husband. And the day this releases will be the day before our five-year wedding anniversary. I know, right? And 11 years in a monogamous relationship. So wild. Yeah. You're welcome to, you're welcome to bounce out at any time. I'm sure you must be sick of me by now. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing fine. Thank you. Okay. All right. Great. You're going to re-up? I'm going to re-up. Yeah. All right. Well, let's check in in another 11 years, I guess. I might take the five-year re-up. I, uh, mm, this is it. <laughs> this train only stops at 11 and 22. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you reconsidering? No. Who are you? I am Angel Lopez. Proudly single. And, no, <laughs> <laughs> Newly single. A divorcee. No. <laughs> no, I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer, a producer, an astrologer, and a teacher of all things mystical and metaphysical. And uh, yeah, I mean, so many more things than that, but you know, I'm also none of those things. Right. I'm just a spirit. In time. Hovering. I mean, you seem pretty grounded today. Oh, thank you. Sitting there, cross-legged, holding your yellow calcite. Yeah, I am in my body. We've got Noche here on the rug. He's actually laying on a on a white robe because I wanted him to feel luxurious and to calm the fuck down. I know, he's really been on one lately. I know, Scorpio season brings out oh. the worst in him. And it's Aries moon as we're recording this. So it's two of his three placements. <laughs> yeah, but anyhow. He's just barking at ghosts these days. Well, let's try to be optimistic, which is so in tune with what we're going to be talking about later. That's true. Jupiter. Yeah. We're going to talk all about Jupiter cycles and basically how you can track Jupiter throughout your life and get a sense of how to really work with it in a deeper way. Yeah. It's kind of a magical system that we are excited to introduce to you, but we're not going to do that right now. No. Right now, it's going to be all about us. <laughs> yeah. Because we know that's what you really came here for. No, not the astrology or the uh, metaphysical wisdom. Not the tarot card at the end. No. You came here to to hear us. Like, what are these gays up to now? Talk about our lives. Yeah. Uh, or you can skip ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like, oh, here are these bitches again. Oh, here they go. Talking about what's new for them. <sighs> Give me your check-in. Give me your check-in. Oh, me first? Please. Okay, let's see. My check-in is around gratitude for modern medicine. Because I really think I've taken for granted how effective modern medicine is. I got a really bad infection in my thumb, just like in the nail bed. Apparently this happens all the time. It's like an infected hangnail. It's never happened to me before. And even it happened overnight. It became very painful. And I was able to call my doctor and he prescribed me some antibiotics, which I never take, but I was like, okay, I'll take them. And it was just amazing to watch it get better. And I think like before modern medicine, unless you knew like what the right herbs were, like you could literally die from an infected thumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. They would have been like, oh, Brandon, remember he was great. And then he's, his thumb got infected and then he died. So it's just, I mean, I was just kind of like struck by that. I also was very struck by like how gross things are with the human body when they're getting better. And it almost seems to me like the grosser it gets in the healing process, like the more healed it becomes at the end. It reminded me of my like terrible 
entirely burned thigh, if you recall last year when I when I spilled boiling water on my thigh and had second degree burns. I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. It was was quite a moment. But I just remember how fucking gross it was when it was healing. But now I get healed so beautifully. And I think there's a teaching there, which is that like healing can get gross. And like the gnarlier it is when you're like in the actual process of healing, I think the, the more complete the healing is at the end. You know? Yeah. So... So that's going on. I'm grateful that my thumb is like basically healed. I finished that round of antibiotics. Now you can start drinking again all night, all day. Well, yeah, all day, all night. <laughs> He's drinking right now. You can't see it. Don't l- <laughs> don't give the gazers a false impression of me. Honey, get up, get up off the floor. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm recovering from that. And I'm in a queen of pentacles month. So I'm really focusing on taking care of myself and... Uh, now that the antibiotics are done, I want to start like taking some probiotics and get some good bacteria back in my body. And I've been doing Pilates and bringing some breath work back into my life. And I do feel like I'm I'm taking a little bit better care of myself, which is definitely supporting me. It's been nice to be seeing clients in the spirit studio and like helping other people get into their bodies. And it's been just lovely to kind of like welcome people to the land because it really is just like so fucking magical here. So it's nice just to like get to share that with others. And I've discovered the magic of the public library. Yeah. Do you have more you want to say about that? (laughs) Just like the library is amazing, you guys. And I don't know why it took me like so long to like wake up to it. Cause like I slept on the public library for like 36 years, but there is the local branch very close to our house And I got a library card and I realized that like they will send the books that you want from other branches to your branch. And then you just like go and pick it up and it's all for free. You don't have to pay for it. I just feel like an idiot for like spending 20 to $30 on books all the time from Amazon. And I read so fast, you guys. So like I will read a book in literally two days and it's like, and then what do I do with it? And then like, I don't keep it. We have too many books as it is. So it's just like, setting money on fire. So, and Amazon is also like the literal devil. So I just feel so much better that I'm now using the public library, my tax dollars at work. And I don't know, it just feels so nourishing. I'm so excited to travel with library books. Honestly, I'm just like excited to pack my little library books. And I don't know, the library is just fucking amazing. (laughs) I'm really like, I'm really getting off on the library. You're so cute this week. It's like, He's like, antibiotics, guys. Everyone's been sleeping on antibiotics. Like, nobody's been sleeping on antibiotics. The library, you guys. The public library. I know. I don't know. what's. Where have I been? But I'm excited for you. I enjoy when you get very excited about something. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited about the public library. I know. And I'm excited about it as well. Because now I get some more books into my life. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice. And it was cute, too, because there was a book I was reading recently, and there was like a misprint, like they forgot to print a word like of or the or something like it just somehow missed the editors. And somebody had written it in the page. So all of a sudden, like I felt like the energy of the people who have read this book before me, literally, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just so fun. You're all connected. Yeah. Very Aquarian. Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right, that's my that's my check-in. What about uh what about you, Bugaboo? What's happening in your gay life? Your life full of homosexual magic. You know, I'm doing pretty well. I'd say like I mean, I guess more than anything, I'm just kinda shocked that we're at the end of the year or heading really closely toward the end of the year. Yeah, it just seems so wild to me. I've been thinking a lot about how like this is like technically like a sun year for me. And I'm just like grappling with like what the heck that means. Because it doesn't necessarily feel like it's been the most like joyful year for me per se. It doesn't feel like it's been like a light in the dark. Um, But, you know, as I've thought about it more, it's like definitely been like a year of like had a lot of things like illuminated for me. So I'm like, all right, I guess that kind of fits into it to some degree. Also, it's only like half over because your sun year, it goes from your birthday to your birthday. Right. Very true. So you have until March 29th for the sun to bring you more joy. Yeah. I got like four more months, five more months. But um, 
but it's just been interesting, like kind of like thinking about that, thinking about this year in those terms. But I think if anything, the thing that like has brought me joy has just been like, honestly, like finding ways to really like break through some more of my own like personal barriers. Like that's just like what gets me off these days is just like continuing to really like challenge myself to have uncomfortable conversations with people and uncomfortable conversations with myself and to be like really present for those types of things. Yeah. Like, it's been a lot of fun for us too. <laughs> um, Hasn't it Noche? <laughs> I don't think I've had a lot of uncomfortable things to present to y'all. You haven't actually. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, I've been trying to like just show up in like a better way, um, you know, to try and be really aware of like all of my identity challenges and to try to shift away from some of the like more, I guess like habitually negative ones that I've carried around with me a long time. I feel like that's what a lot of this like eclipse season is for me because it's taking place like in my first house, seventh house. Mm -hmm. Um, at least this upcoming full moon is. So I'm feeling really like, connected to identity and how I identify and just like just like how I've seen myself and like the ways that that has like really challenged me um so yeah trying to just have like new eyes in regards to like my personality my body image and um yeah just continuing to kick down the doors of any negativity that has stuck around a little too long and clear out those rooms make room for other things better things cuter things queerer things queerer things so yeah i don't know that's like a very feels like slightly esoteric way of explaining where i'm at no i think that's great babe that makes a lot of sense how are you identifying these days? Like with yourself, how are you understanding yourself? Well, I mean, I think I've like identified for a long time with even just this like victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And even I think like on the surface of my life, I've like allowed myself to like think and feel like I've stripped myself away from it, but I still reckon I've been recognizing more and more where that victim mentality shows up in unconscious ways, you know, like, oh, why do I have to be this? You know, it like kind of just like shows up in these like ways that like are really unnecessary in the moment. And I think that that has helped me shift more into just like, like I've always been a, like a person who really like breathes into gratitude and like has a more like, has a strong gratitude perspective on life, but trying to just like really like balloon that up even more because I think the louder that is, uh, the less room there can be for some of this like but why me? And why is this so hard? And it's like, well, actually that's kind of hard for everybody. <laughs> so just keep doing the work that you're doing. I mean, mindset, it's like 98% of the battle. Yeah. So I just want to have a better mindset. And the other 2% is all about accessorizing. Mm, very true. If you have a good mindset and great accessories, honey, the world's your oyster. That is true. Also, like, nobody's soul came here to play it safe. No, but I think a lot of people exist in that space. Yeah, I think people are addicted to comfort, myself included. I love a fleece. But the thing is, our souls require much more like stimulation and challenge and pressure so that they can continue to learn whatever it is they came here to learn, you know? So I think when you feel challenged, it's generally a good indicator that you're moving towards something that's actually meaningful. So even when you're like knocked down and knocked down and knocked down, you're like, God, why do I fucking keep trying to do this thing? It's because you can't help but keep doing that thing, you know? 
there's like a, a spiritual compulsion and it's important to not get in the way of that, you know? Yeah, that's a really good way to frame it, a spiritual compulsion. Hey, oh, it's my new album, actually, Spiritual Compulsion. <laughs> it's an EP. I really understand that. Like, uh, that, that is exactly how, how it feels. So I like that. Yeah, it's actually a great song title, Spiritual Compulsion. Well, there you go. Maybe I'll write it. Get to it. Like, I don't have enough on my plate. <laughs> Sorry, that's not the right mindset. Let me put in some yeah, new earrings okay, and be everyone. grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the eclipse, because I think that's something we should dive into in this episode's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. So eclipse season happens honeys happens twice a year sometimes three times a year if you're unlucky this year we're lucky it's only happening twice and it's happening now an eclipse season is when the sun or the moon either create a new moon or a full moon uh, within 15 degrees of the nodes of fate and you might be asking me brandon what are the nodes of fate and i would say to you they are a place in the sky where the orbit of the moon around the earth and the orbit of the earth around the sun intersect and these are faded places in the sky and the nodes are always in a polarity so right now they're in gemini sagittarius and they move backwards they move backwards through the zodiac um and they are at the very first degree of Gemini Sagittarius, which means that soon they will leave Gemini Sagittarius and they will enter into Taurus Scorpio, where they will be for a year and a half. So these are pretty important eclipses because they're kind of like transition eclipses, preparing us to move from this Gemini Sagittarius landscape that we've kind of been in collectively for a year and a half into a Taurus Scorpio mindset. So what happens when the nodes conjunct your planet, planets or transit your planets? I well, say. it depends on if it's the north node or the south node. Because the north node is hungry. The north node wants to increase whatever it touches. The north node in your birth chart is kind of the lesson plan your soul came in to develop some mastery in. And sometimes it's challenging. Like sometimes you'll find that your north node placement is something you struggle with because you're here to get good at it. You didn't come in here good at it. Whereas the south node can take things away. I kind of call her the cosmic toilet bowl with love, because she flushes things out that you no longer need. But that having been said, she can also indicate like what you have already come into this lifetime with some wherewithal around. So it can be really easy to just like stay in your south node, because it's comfortable because you know it because maybe you're a little bit good at it. Whereas the north node really wants the increase. So right now, we are north node Gemini, south node Sagittarius, and soon we will switch into north node Taurus, south node Scorpio. So we are releasing Sagittarius things, we're releasing old beliefs, right? Sagittarius is all about beliefs and philosophy. And Sagittarius is like the collective fire sign. So it's about our collective beliefs and our collective visions. And we're trying to let them go. You've seen that in the last year and a half. Whereas Gemini is like the personal questioning. It's all about curiosity and about individual identity. And that's what we're all growing towards is this opportunity to expand into our own individuality, to think of our identities in ways that maybe don't necessarily coincide with great cohesive cultural or societal beliefs, but that resonate for ourselves. But honey, that train is about to leave the station because soon it will be Taurus Scorpio time. So these eclipses right now are really like the periods at the end of these like, you know, one and a half year sentences about Sagittarius Gemini. And it feels like a real like doorway into the next chapter, right? Especially yeah. that it's happening with this Taurus Scorpio full moon. Feels like that helps to give a little glimpse of like, all right, here's what we're moving towards. Bingo. Yeah. It's the end and the beginning. 
and you'll notice the connective tissue between the two. Like what you are ending is what gives you the fuel for the new beginning around Taurus Scorpio themes, particularly North Node Taurus themes, which is about like, what are you growing? What are you building? What is your relationship like with the earth and your body and things that you value, finances and work? And the North Node and Uranus are going to be in Taurus at the same time, which means that there's going to be a big continuation of all of the shakeup that we're seeing in things like supply chain and food and global community and, you know, climate change. I mean, these are Taurus themes. And so we're growing towards a more sustainable relationship with the Taurus. And we're releasing through Scorpio the fear and the shame and the shadow. I also think that like a South Node in Scorpio really wants to liberate. Like Angel, you talk a lot about Scorpio as like the sign that contains all the things we're not supposed to talk about. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to talk about sex. We're not supposed to talk about death. We're not supposed to talk about money. And yet when you have the South Node in Scorpio, it's kind of taking away all of the inhibition and all of the shame and scariness around talking about those things. So like when you really embrace the North Node in Taurus and you embrace your body and you embrace the earth, it's okay to talk about sex. It's okay to talk about death because it's natural. And that's where, you know, the polarities are really the same sign. It's not Taurus versus Scorpio. It's Taurus Scorpio. Scorpio Taurus. Right, right. You know? So yeah. So a lot of uh, issues around like value and worth there, right? Yeah, value and worth, but also transformation. Right. But I think it, it really taps into the like value and worth aspect because we also just had Venus shift into Capricorn a bit ago. And she's now, um, as of the week of the this podcast coming out, stepped into her retrograde shadow because mm-hmm. she's going to be basically in Capricorn through like the first week of March. Yeah, she's going to be in Capricorn for a really long time. Yeah, so Venus is the planet that rules our relationships, you know, how we relate to others. Um, But it also is, as the ruler of Taurus, connected to like what we value, our self-worth, our needs. So I think that there is um, something to be said about settling into um, a long Venus retrograde window. in the same week that we have this Taurus full moon. Lunar eclipse. Yeah. And having Venus be in uh, another earth sign of Capricorn, which as we know is all about like long-term goals, the future, you know, what are we building toward? Capricorn is very ambitious. And so the idea of building in relationships that, have more longevity to them, you know, really focusing in on like, all right, who's here for the long term, but just in general, because Venus is like how we partner with things that we find valuable, you know, how we partner with our own worth as well. This is going to be a really good amount of time for us to reassess how we have been partnering with our own worth yeah, and our own sense of internal value. Yeah, so two good guiding questions to kind of ask yourself as you explore your relationships with people, places, things, and projects. The first question is, is this worth my time? Is this really worth my time? And be honest with yourself about it. And the other question is, am I receiving my full value? Am I receiving my full value in this job, in this relationship? You know? And if you're not, then, you know, ask yourself, am I demanding my full value, you know? And if you are, and you're still not getting it, then yeah, you're gonna have to say no again. Exactly. And I think it's a good time to bring up Cher, because, you know, I like to try to do it every episode. Of course. But Cher says one of the best pieces of advice she got from her mom was, if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter. And I actually think that when we're looking at life through a Capricorn lens, that's really good advice. So ask yourself, is this going to matter in five years? Is this relationship going to matter in five years? Is this job going to matter in five years? And if it is, then you have an understanding of its value in the big picture in the long term. 
And if it isn't and it doesn't, then fuck it. Here, here. It's time to demand more for yourself. That doesn't mean walking around with a big ego, being queen bitch of the universe. It just means that you are worth everything that you desire, that your heart desires. And so often we put ourselves in situations that don't actually reflect our true value. And so the eclipse, because it's a full moon eclipse, is going to be emotional and it's going to illuminate for you where perhaps you have not been claiming your value. And that might be painful AF, especially because we're still in Scorpio season. So you're going to feel it deeply, you know, things are going to come up from the surface and you're going to have to see them. You won't be able to not see them, but they can help inform you about what these next four months with Venus in Capricorn is going to do for you. How to claim your worth everywhere you go. Yeah. And that feels like a lot of hard work, but we're already all working really hard. So it's better to be working hard for your own dreams, for your own values, and for your own needs. And then two weeks later, we'll have another eclipse. <laughs> and that'll be a solar eclipse in Sagittarius. Right. So we'll be in the Gemini-Sagittarius polarity kind of one last time. And, and then eclipse season will be over. It's a short eclipse season. You know, sometimes eclipse season has like three eclipses. Every once in a while it has four or five. This just has two. So it's short and sweet. And then it, you know, moves us into the next chapter. Yeah. And we shift the, the nodes into that Taurus Scorpio in like the middle of January. So. Yeah. The beginning of the year has a lot of shifts. See, Annie. That new moon is like a hello, goodbye. Yeah. It's the integration of everything you've learned. Yeah. And then you move on to a new cycle. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of cycles. I'm in a cycle. Yeah, I admit it. I feel like I sang that song on the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> you may have. That song by Tovlo is one of my favorite songs. All right, everybody. Put on your big girl pants. Grab your Gucci. Gather up your totems and your tools, your crystals. Put on your favorite earrings. It's time for this episode's Deep Dive. So today we are talking all about the Jupiter Journey. The Jupiter Journey. So, starring Solange Knowles. Okay. Uh, Jupiter obviously sets up shop somewhere in your natal chart when you are born. And that gives us a sense of Jupiter's role in your life, how it wants to express. But then Jupiter continues moving on. Can't stop Jupiter. No. And why would you want to? So Jupiter then, you know, takes its whole uh, journey around your chart. It takes about 12 years to do so. And while it does that, it takes stops in all of your houses, but it also will ultimately like create transit points back to your natal placement. Cosmic hotspots. Cosmic hotspots, exactly. Personal cosmic hotspots. Yeah. So as it does that, it helps to, I think, really fill in like the greater story that it's on. So all this to say, it's like, you know, has a purpose, right? Jupiter has a purpose in your chart, what it's trying to enact in you. And when it transits that like natal point every 12 years, it's like a it's almost like a pulse, right? It like sets off this like cosmic pulse of energy of like, all right, like here's what we want to set up for the next 12 years. And it's almost like, I almost like to think of it as like a spiral, you know, it's like we're spiraling in further and further, closer and closer to like what that Jupiter is really trying to like enact in us. And every 12 years we spiral in a little closer to, you know, Jupiter's true purpose in our lives. I love that idea. That's super cool. Yeah. So as it's like 
doing one of these spirals around, it hits these cosmic hotspots when Jupiter, you know, when transiting Jupiter makes a trine to your natal Jupiter or a square or an opposition or even a sextile. You know, it you have these points. So you can really, you know, as you learn to understand these uh, Jupiter cycles, you can really then become a more active player in them and understand, okay, where is my Jupiter? And when you have this Jupiter return, because of course, as we know, when Jupiter comes back around to where it was, when any planet comes back around to where it was, it's called a return. So when you have the Jupiter return and you can really set some intentions, some goals for what do I want to achieve in the next 12 years of my life? How do I want to grow? What do I want to abundantly manifest? Then you have all these little checkpoints along the way with the squares and the trines and the oppositions to get a sense of, oh, how is this Jupiter journey playing out for me? Do I need to keep moving forward? Do I need to course correct or adjust in order to really, again, kind of like um, actualize uh, what's trying to come through from that point of intention? And I think what we should say is that Jupiter takes about 12 years to go all the way around your chart. And so what we're looking at are 12-year cycles, which is long enough to have a full evolution, but short enough that you get to have quite a few of them. And that's why it's really valuable to look at what Jupiter cycles have been for you in the past, because it gives you a predictive window into what they might suggest in the future. So knowing that when you have a Jupiter return, that it is like a big portal of intention. Girl, I know I had one this year. So there you go. And I sat down and I wrote a list of all the things I wanted to do in the next 12 years. Oh, yeah, perfect. And I really like this quote from Carolyn Casey, just in regards to Jupiter. What'd she say? The admonition, be careful what you wish for, for you will surely get it, reminds us that Jupiter can be tricky if we wish for conventional images of success. Oh, shade. Our intuition will distinguish between other people's images of success and our own feeling or definition of success. And I think it's really important to mention the, the themes of that quote because we can enter into a Jupiter cycle with some ideas, some intentions of what we want, and it can be then at these checkpoints, these squares, mostly these squares and the, the opposition, where we would, may find some sort of illumination around what we tried to intend at the beginning and realizing that like, oh, I was wishing that really on the basis of what I thought society would want, not exactly what my heart truly desires. So... You know, it's important to get really, really deep with yourself and try to understand like, okay, well, what is, what's really my heart's calling here? And, and that's why you have to also pay attention to like, okay, well, what is literally just the like natal placement, you know, because those are the themes of the Jupiter and that's not going to change. So if your Jupiter is in like Libra and you're like, I just want it to be about me, you know, like... <laughs> At the end of the day, like your Jupiter's like, well, we're supposed to partner, you know? So you're, you can't entirely just like have the you um, be at the forefront by yourself. So just knowing where your Jupiter is and jumping off from that place is going to be really helpful. So we're going to go through it step by step and we're going to talk to you through the 12 year cycle and what the key hotspots are. And you'll just want to translate for your own chart because you're going to have Jupiter in its own sign in its own house. And so you'll start there and then you'll kind of follow along. And Angel and I have kind of prepared our own personal retellings of our own most recent Jupiter journeys, just to kind of give you a slightly more uh, personal illustration of how this might play out in real time in your life. Yeah. But we'll talk about just like, you know, what we consider kind of like the six big points along the way, right? Six big points in 12 years. It's manageable. Yeah. So, and and you'll see like some people also work with the sextiles, which I think are valuable to look at. Um, but in regards to just like this larger story, we're really sticking to these. So, you know, of course you have that natal placement, which is where Jupiter like initiates 
its voyage. So that's also known as the Jupiter return. Exactly. When Jupiter returns to the place it was at the moment of your birth. Yeah. And there, like, you can use the sign and the house placements to just, like, really get, like, the important details, right? Of, like, okay, well, what is my lesson plan with Jupiter? Um, how does it want to show up? You know, what area of life am I meant to expand in or find abundance? And in which way am I supposed to do that through the sign? Um, you know, so it's really important to just understand that and know. Then, of course, because it's once every year, it moves um, because it's 12 years, right? So you then know about three years after that return, you're going to hit your opening square. Also known as the separating square because it's separating from the return. Exactly. And that becomes like a bit of a breakthrough point, you know? Like if you set the intention at the return point, at that natal point, then you have these three years to be working on it. And when you have that square point three years later, you know, you tend to see some sort of breakthrough around the work you've been putting in. Um, you know, you'll feel some sense of encouragement, but it is going to come with some sense of, I don't want to say crisis necessarily, because Jupiter's not necessarily like a crisis uh, keeper or crisis bringer. Yeah, but some sense of discomfort or urgency, or it even can just feel like, I think, turning a corner. Yeah, that's like, a great way to put it. It's a square, and a square creates a little corner, and so you're literally, like, turning the corner. Yeah, but I do think even if at that point you've, like, yeah, hit a wall or you're feeling like, oh, my God, when is this going to show up for me? Like, you do get some sort of gift or opportunity that helps you to turn that corner. Uh, and then you hit that separating trine or opening trine a year after that. Yeah. Which really, I think, just like reinforces whatever it is or was that um, that opening square was trying to show you. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a celebration. Yeah, because I think sometimes the return feels a little bit like grope it in the dark, you know, like you're setting intentions, but you don't really know what's going to happen. And so then by the time you get to that first square, it's like the lights turn on, you can actually see like what you've been doing. And so then I think that that opening trine then really gives you the understanding of, okay, I'm like a third, a quarter of the way into this journey. I now really know what this journey is going to be moving me towards. Right. So, and just to clarify for anyone who's maybe like, you know, not entirely understanding it, you know, remember that opening square, you can basically just think of it as like, you know, you're three signs away from where you started, you know? So if your Jupiter was in Aries, you're going to jump three signs away, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, and now, oh, I'm now I'm at the square. So when Jupiter is in Cancer at the degree, the same degree it is in your birth chart in Aries, that's your opening square point. And then a year later, when it goes to that degree of Leo, you're at that opening trine. But it may not be a full year later. It could no. happen faster. Exactly. So that's where you want to pay attention to an ephemeris and really get a sense of like where it is. Ephemera who? <laughs> and you might have it a couple times because of retrogrades. So, and then of course... But tell the, the children what an ephemeris is, just in case... Oh, an ephemeris is just, it basically just maps out where all the planets are, what degree points they are throughout the years, and you can find them online nowadays. Yeah. It's kind of a magic timetable because it really helps you see like when things were exact. Yeah. I just like had like a flashback of like when I used to like read parties twenty years ago when I'd start this and I'd like have to lug my big ephemeris with me. It's hysterical. Um then of course six years later you hit the opposition point. Jupiter opposed natal Jupiter. Yeah, so six years after your natal point or two years after that trine point, um, you know, Jupiter really gives us like, it's almost like we've climbed the, it's like we're on a hike, you know, we've like hiked all the way up to the top of the mountain and it like really gives us a sense of like how far we've come, our accomplishments. Um, and it gives us a sense that there is more growth to do, that we can challenge ourselves. Now, I think it's important to mention here another aspect of Jupiter, which is like, I'm good. You know, like Jupiter like can kind of like sit in its like comfort to some degree. It's like, oh, let's just kind of set up camp here and expand here because this is nice. This feels good. So, you know, with Jupiter, you do have to stress and challenge yourself a bit more if like the uh, goal is further ahead than where you are. 
So it can be a little easy to kind of, I don't want to necessarily say give up, but like give in to where you are. Um, so you also on some levels have to like recommit, I think at that Jupiter opposition point more than anywhere else. Um, and then you hit that closing or approaching trine as it's also known. Um, and that occurs, um, I guess, well, about nine years after its initial point. Um, and that just becomes about, you know, more opportunities to continue you on your path, you know? And it, I always think of like that second trine or that closing trine is like such a time to just like say yes to all the opportunities that show up for you because it's like you don't know what is trying to like just be a seed that needs to be planted uh, for your next Jupiter cycle that's about to come. So anything that, that can potentially like be lucky is going to show up at that time. And then you have that approaching or closing square, which I think can be the probably the most challenging of them all because it is kind of that like final scare moment, right? It's like that last hurdle. Um, I feel like it does give you like on some level, like a chance to like prove how badly you really want that initial goal you set out to attain. Um, it's also the opportunity where you may find like, oh shit, I've like put way too much on my plate, you know, like, cause Jupiter of course loves to just like keep growing, keep attaining. So you may find like, you were like, I said yes to 75 things and now I need to like figure out, okay, which one is really necessary and which one isn't. But all that stuff that you said yes to will ultimately have given you some sort of lessons, some sort of growth. Um, but now it becomes about refinement in that square, I think. And then, of course, you come back to the return point, which is where you get to like, again. yeah, say hooray, hurrah, and decide how to spiral in even deeper. Or spiral out even further. <laughs> but I think more than anything, it's so important to remember that when it comes to Jupiter, you must always lean into optimism because that's what those Jupiter points are trying to blossom in you. Pessimism is only going to drain you of your natural ability to manifest. So don't waste any Jupiter-tinged opportunity to grow. So important. So I guess we're going to kind of give you all like a little sense of our journey. Yeah, just because I think it's like very intellectual and cerebral just to like talk about the points you know totally so i think like share sharing the specifics of each of our jupiters because we have different jupiters can be helpful all right well why don't you tell us about your jupiter oh me first yeah i just did a lot of talking okay fine <laughs> uh my jupiter is at two degrees aquarius it's in the 11th house so a lot of what my Jupiter wants me to grow towards is the groups of people that I find myself in and expanding my communities and my connection. It's also 11th house, the house of like dreams and ambitions. It's the house of the future in some ways. And so I know that Jupiter's always trying to like grow me towards the future to some way. Um, so my last Jupiter return was in January of 2009. I was in a relationship with my ex-boyfriend and he, in January, moved to London to attend fashion design school. And it was the beginning of the end for our relationship. <laughs> and I had absorbed a lot of his friends I still had friends of my own, but I really had absorbed a lot of his friend group because he was from LA and he just like had a bunch of people and we were party people and it was just a lot of party friends. And in fact, like a lot of my friends actually like backed away from me at that time because they were like, we really didn't <laughs> like who you were. And so Jupiter at that moment was like, you're going to grow away from this. And so my ex-boyfriend left and all of a sudden I was kind of like alone because we'd been living together. And I had to really focus on like what I wanted. And so that was when I really began to like put a lot of my uh, energy into acting, you know, and like trying to like create some sort of like acting career. Okay, so then the opening square was in 2012. So that's 
three years later, and it was at two degrees Taurus, because my Jupiter is two degrees Aquarius, so Aquarius, Taurus, fixed sign, so there we are. So uh, by this time, I'm now living with my new boyfriend, Angel Lopez. And Lucky I, you. And I have a whole new group of friends, because I also absorbed a lot of your friends, <laughs> who were luckily a lot better people. Uh, and of course, I still have like my my friends, but there's also this whole new group of people. And in this group of people is somebody that you know, um, if you listen to the podcast, is our friend Justin Simeon, who is a writer and a director. And literally in January of 2012, I saw an email. He asked me if I would act in the trailer teaser of Dear White People. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So now all of a sudden, like, there is some, like, forward movement in my acting career. I mean, I didn't think it was, like, that big of a deal at the time. Do you know what I mean? But it will reveal itself later. <laughs> okay, so then we get to the opening trine, which was actually just a few months later. It was June of 2012. Okay. Oh, wow, move fast. So yeah, so it went from two degrees Taurus to two degrees Gemini in just a couple months. No retrogrades, right? It just kind of plowed all the way through. And in June of 2012 was the trailer release of Dear White People, and it blew shit up. I remember you and Justin were like on like CNN or something. Well, Justin was, yes. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay, so then... Two years later, it's July 2014, and the opposition is at two degrees Leo. It's in my fifth house, and that was the premiere of Dear White People, the movie, at the Los Angeles Film Festival before it was released in theaters, and wow. I was in it. So all of a sudden, we see that the invitation that happened on the opening square, do you want to be in this trailer? became like me on like a red carpet with my mom and actually my good friend, Michelle Wong, who was mm -hmm. also in the movie and one of my oldest high school friends. And I remember we like had dinner together and then we went to the premiere and again, like 11th house, like groups and community and family and coming together. But also an opposition because I still couldn't get a fucking agent to save my life. <laughs> right. I like had like a great part in a movie that like went to Sundance. I still couldn't get a fucking agent. What are you gonna do? All right. So then the closing trine was two years later. So that was September, 2016. It was at two degrees of Libra. And that was actually my bachelorette party. And so what I think is actually really interesting about that is this was a month before we got married and me and like eight of my closest, oldest, best friends rented a house up in like wine country and we all were there for a couple of days. And this feels, when I look back on it, I was like, oh yeah, like this was after a lot of disappointment. And like you said, realizing the dreams that I had, the things I thought I wanted were actually just like making me miserable, weren't actually like nourishing me in any real way. And so what I had at this at this bachelorette party was friends from all portions of my life. My brother's there. My high school friends are there. But like Philip Bartell is there, who's like a good friend that I met through you, who became one of my best friends. And there's this like beautiful intersection of all my community and it's growing, it's expanding. And I'm there at the center of it because it was my bachelorette party. It was all about me. Okay, baby. And then the closing square was in October of 2017. Is it two degrees Scorpio? And literally October of 2017 is when I shot that one episode of Dear White People, the TV show. <laughs> and it was just kind of like a parting gift, you know? And I went and I had one day on set and it was a great fun day. And I also remember feeling like this is not my world anymore. Because there were people who were in the movie that went to the TV show and they just like lived in that, uh, in that community. And I remember going there and being like, this isn't my world anymore. And it's okay to like, let this all go and move on to the next thing. And then my Jupiter return was just recently. Um, and I sat down, uh, it was just, uh, it was this, it was like January of this year. And I sat down and I wrote a list of all the things I want to accomplish, you know, in the next 12, but also 20 years because my Jupiter return was very close to the Saturn Jupiter conjunction. And so it also included this longer Saturnian cycle of when Saturn and Jupiter will meet up again. 
so not to confuse everybody. Uh, but it was also about like what sort of dreams. And when I look at the dreams and the things I want to achieve in the next 12 and 20 years, it also suggests all these different communities that I'm going to have to engage with in order to achieve these dreams. So Jupiter really wants to grow me as a dreamer, as a visionary, but also as somebody who like is in a lot of different communities. And that is my Jupiter journey. That's awesome. I love how you were able to really tie it into like the community aspect of that 11th house as well. You know, like once you kind of hit the, the crest of the opposition, you know, Jupiter was like, don't forget, like, this is really about you, like growing into a community. Yeah. Well, and also like Jupiter was saying like, here's everything you thought you wanted. Like you are in a movie that like goes to Sundance and then like premieres at like theaters all around the world. And you're still miserable. <laughs> and what's also really interesting too, is just that like, I was dating somebody who was very involved with big wigs, like in the entertainment industry. And I always felt like he should be able to help me or like make connections for me or things of that nature. And he never did because he was kind of a piece of shit. Uh, and this Jupiter journey was me like having my own agency and like doing things for myself and not like asking for handouts, but like fighting for what I want, you know? So, I mean, you know, people probably think like our friend is Justin and like you were a producer on the movie. So like, I probably just like got put in the movie really easily, but I actually did not. I like auditioned for it once and did a terrible job and then <laughs> uh, did not get the part. And then like literally had to like, I retaped and y'all were like in Minneapolis and you still hadn't cast the part. And I was like, give me another shot. Like I can do this part. And I, and I taped it and I sent it in and that's how it happened, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jupiter doesn't just hand it to you. Jupiter just says like, if this is important to you, you got to fight for it. Exactly. Yeah. You have to really want it. But isn't that timing incredible? It is. I mean, literally so down to the month. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the opening square, Justin wants me to be in the trailer, right? The opposition, I've been in the movie, it premieres. And then the closing square, the TV show, like it's just all three iterations of the project itself, you know? Yeah, so specific. And that project was like, it was community. Like y'all were friends that produced it. Like there was a huge community built around oh, yeah. the project itself, you know? So it was very 11th house. Mm-hmm. It really was. Like we were all kind of like living and breathing that for a certain period of time, which spanned a lot of years, actually. <laughs> Girl, it spanned a whole Jupiter cycle. <laughs> it did. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to see what your next Jupiter cycle brings. So now you have three more years till you hit the first point. Yeah, not until Jupiter's in Taurus do I get the square. Right. So aren't you glad that you re-upped with me for another 11 years? Because now you'll get to see the whole Jupiter journey play out. I can't wait. Yeah, see? <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll take you quickly through my journey as well. Take me, take me. Um, so mine is a first house Jupiter story. Oh, it's all about you. Yeah, it's all about identity. Um, and my last Jupiter return was in June of 2012. Um, but interestingly, I looked back to the one before that, which was um, in August of 2000, which I thought was so funny because that was like basically when I first started working as an astrologer. Oh. So I really like added astrologer to my identity. Right. At that time. And your Jupiter is where natally? It's in the first house in Taurus. Got it. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, in June of 2012, I had that return in my first house. And that was basically when I added producer to my identity. Because as we were talking about the movie Dear White People, it like became a real project at that point. Like, you know, it actually like garnered interest in the world, like you were saying, you know, like it started to get all of this like national attention um, because of this trailer that we had shot. And um, that also like brought a lot of attention from different financing entities and actual like movie studios. So like I literally was like going into movie studios at my Jupiter return, like as a producer trying to get this project set up. And we were actually uh, like already in the process of getting set up at a studio at that point because it happened really quickly. So then that takes us to August of 2015, which was when I had my opening square. Okay, so this is when you see what you've actually initiated 
in the in the first like Jupiter return. Right. And interestingly, that was actually the time when I had just finished editing uh, the first short film that I'd ever written and directed, but was also producing. Um, so it was interesting to me, the way I look at that square is that I actually added writer and director onto my like list of like, you know, identity expressions, um, which of course was like not easy for me to do, but it was me really kind of like pushing that forward even further. And then in September, 2016, when I had the trine, uh, that was just like a big month for me and going back and looking at it because I was on set of the second feature movie that I was producing. But that short film that I had finished editing at the square was actually premiering at a film festival in Los Angeles. So it was interesting, like all of my like family went and my friends went, but I was actually not able to go to it because I was working in Toronto at the time, but it felt like people were getting to kind of like see the work that I had done. You know, it's like they were getting to see me in a new light. Uh, and then I got to the opposition point in November of 2018. Um, that was in my seventh house. And that was really when I think I just like started to expand my ideas of what I wanted to be doing and who I wanted to be. Um, you know, we had recently started The Spiritual Gaze, and we actually had just had Lena on that show, on, on this show. <laughs> and that I think... listening to. Yeah, and that basically, like, I think opened up the show to a much wider audience um, and brought in a lot of just, like, new people into my sphere. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was you. Gazer, listener, sweet yeah. seeker. Uh, and then I had the trine May, December of 2020. And that was really, I think, when I was like being seen more as a writer and really being identified as a writer and was being invited into different projects and partnerships, not just as a producer, but more so and and sometimes even just solely as a writer. And then this entire year has really been like a square of Jupiter because I've had three hits. Well, I've had two hits and I will have a third in December, um, all in my 10th house. And let me just say, it has been like an insane amount of work. Just having Jupiter like transit your 10th house is just like such an expansion of career. And the fact that I basically have like multiple careers because my identity is writer and producer and director and teacher podcast of all host things mystical and, teacher, and magical. Yeah, an astrologer. It's like all of those things have just like expanded like crazy which is amazing and um, I'm really grateful for it, but it's definitely been challenging learning how to like balance it all. Well, can I just say like, it really makes sense going back to what you even checked in around about like identifying with yourself in new ways and like Jupiter in the first house is like that identity just wants to keep expanding and you can't get too comfortable with any one way of thinking about yourself because you're going to be yourself in a hundred different directions. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why it even becomes just like, why well, I just have to identify as me and like, you know, like really let that kind of be an umbrella for all types of things. Yeah, like how does Oprah identify, right? I know at this point. She's just Oprah. Yeah, a maven. A maven. Well, that's you, <laughs> Like boo. Ramona Singer. No, not like um, Ramona Singer. <laughs> we almost got a whole episode without a Housewives reference, wow. y'all. We got so close. Sorry. But anyhow, now I'll be awaiting my Jupiter return in... 2024 in Taurus. Oh my when gosh, when is, I get my yeah, square. Exactly. So we'll both be having Jupiter years hey. simultaneously. I love it. I know. So that'll be good. What degree is your Jupiter? 29. Oh, wow. Okay. It squares my sun and my Mercury. Hey. But it sits really close to my north node in Taurus at 22. Well, then there you go. So where you expand is where I'm supposed to grow. So follow me, kid. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Could you just go a little faster, please? Uh, I can't actually because I, I have way too much to do. I know. <laughs> my Mary's Mars is so impatient. I know. But anyhow, hopefully just hearing some of like our trajectory on like the uh, Jupiter journey can help give you a sense of like how it can track out and just to pay attention to. Yeah. You it's like a connect the dots. You don't know. You want to look up your now Jupiter journey. Yeah, exactly. Don't act like you don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> so go in there and figure it out. And how do you know what happens at those times? Well, let me tell you. You want to search your emails. You want to search Facebook, if you have that. Search your Instagram. You want to look through photos and any correspondences. Because let me tell you something. When you see January 2012, you're not going to know, right? That was a long time ago. So you have to do a little bit of sleuthing, a little bit of digging. And so, you know... Use these last couple days of Scorpio season and be a detective and figure out your damn Jupiter journey. Yeah, because for me, it's like now I get to know that like come, you know, this point in 2024, in May of 2024, I will be adding a new, you know, definition to my identity because that's what's happened the last two Jupiter returns. And I will see some like fruits from whatever it is that I planted earlier this year. Mm hmm. Maybe a little bit of crisis. So we just keep going. Just keep building. Um, well, we hope you enjoyed this. We will do more astrology episodes that are just kind of delving into slightly more advanced and magical astrological themes because astrology is magic. And this is one of the ways you can use it to make your life better. And of course, we're here to offer, you know, specific readings to help you. Like if you need someone to walk you through your Jupiter journey or, you know, people reached out and said like, oh, can you help me understand my progress chart? Like after that last episode, we're here for that too. So you can find us for all your needs. Um, but also maybe just pop into an astro club. We've got a fun astro club in Sagittarius season happening on Monday and you can sign up on our website. Yeah. Unless you listen to this on Tuesday. In which you'll case, have missed it. <laughs> we can send you the recording. That's true. All right, babies. Why don't we pull a tarot card for the episode and we'll send you on your way. Yay. Muppet Babies, they'll make a dream come true. Muppet Babies, they'll do the same for you. All right, angels. Go ahead and take a moment, close your eyes, listen to the sound of the cards being shuffled. Somebody told me recently that I have a great ASMR voice. I don't know what that means, but... If this is giving you what you need, I'm glad I can give it to you. So we're just asking for one card. That will give us a little bit of guidance, a little bit of clarity and power so that we can enter into eclipse season feeling like our most badass selves. And just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. The Magician. Yay! Hey! So, you know, the Magician is your ability to claim what you want, to cast a spell, which means you got to say it out loud. And so this is a lunar eclipse that we are heading into, which means that what you want to be seen is going to be seen. It's a moment for maximum exposure. And so get a moment to yourself to get really clear on what it is that you want. Even if it's not like what you want for the next 12 years, even if it's what you want for the next month and start to talk about it out loud, start to claim the vision. Because the magician is our ability to go after what it is that we want once we know what it is that we want. And you know what you want. You certainly know what you don't want. And so let that be a starting place for you. There's also the opportunity for a tremendous amount of creativity. The magician is ruled by Mercury. And so I would encourage you to have creative conversations with yourself, with others, to write things down, to use your pen as a wand and get clear. Because there's a lot of energy of creation and manifestation that's kind of circling around all of us and it's wanting to be channeled. And that's what the magician does. The magician channels potential and turns it from possibility into practice. So find the magic and use it. Bingo. I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Well, hope that resonates for you all. And as always, we thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Geza community. If you like us, um, please uh, feel free to just share us out there with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones. And as we start to look ahead to 2022 and create our scheduling, if you think that you want to be a spirit talk, 
If you have a story that you want to share with the Gazer community, please reach out to us and let us know, because we really want to have more of you from the community on this show. It's part of my Jupiter in the 11th house. Hey. Help us expand this community by you being here, visible, audible as a part of it. Yes, please. And, um, you know, if you want to find out more about us, you can always visit us at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. And we are at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram, at The Spiritual Gaze on Facebook, Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. And um, hope you have a really gorgeous eclipse season. But we'll be checking in with you once, a couple times more before the end of the year. Until next time, this has been your transit through The Spiritual Gaze.